Welcome to the scene. I'm Mystic Mark. And I'm Esoterra. And today we spoke with Brandon Thomas to discuss with us the synchro mystic exploration, exploration of, of the, the ever expanding now. We're glad you're here with us. Enjoy the ride. The system here that's been set up by ourselves also has shifted off and explored that part of itself. But both are incredibly necessary for the experience to transpire at all. So you have to have a part of yourself that plays the villain. You've got to have a part of yourself that plays the person that knows that there's a villain out there and wants to stop it. Dichotomy in in our reality and why it's necessary, why you have to have this. Utopias can't exist for this reason. Because the way that this is and the way that we view things at a play, picture it like a play, the actor that played the hero and the actor that played the villain both go out at the end of this and bow together. They're part of the experience. You have to have both. This is why that when light workers and stuff talk about shadow work, that's all they're talking about is getting in touch with that part of you that is there instead of just denying it and letting it come up in you know ridiculous ways or whatever. But to this again, I think this is just a ride. Now I want to I want to close this point off on this point here. Think about it this way. If you are an infinite being and you could do this an infinite pocket number of ways, okay? Think of it this. The the one you're experiencing now has been experienced an infinite number of times as well. But you are here now, which means that you, as an infinite fucking being, you could be anywhere else. As Jay-Z said, thanks for coming. You could be anywhere else in the world tonight. You could be any fucking where else, but you're here, which tells me that this is your favorite one. Think about that. So the life that you're living right now, this is your favorite one out of all the infinite possibilities and infinite things that you could be doing. This is where your consciousness is. So that means everything you're experiencing right now works out. Everything that's ever happened is there for a reason because this is your favorite fucking one, man. Thank you for tuning in today on the synchromystic exploration of the ever-expanding now. We spoke with Brandon Thomas from the Expanding Reality Podcast. And you know, this is a value-for-value podcast. The My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast has not changed. It's still free, but the synchromystic exploration of the ever-expanding now it's value for value, so if you want to show us some love, you get the whole conversation right over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash MFTIC. And that's how it is, folks. We don't just have full episodes of the scene. We have video content. We have lessons. Join the family. Get involved. Learn some things. And expand your now. I guess I want to start by asking you a little bit about yourself, if you would, and how you got interested in expanding your reality, hence the name of your show, Expanding Reality Podcast. I mean, that's really uh, the backbone of what we intend to do with this show is give people the tools, have conversations where we teach people how to actually change their life for the better. Yeah. That's what it's, that's what it's all about. That's, it's been my mission for a long time, just personally to give people back to themselves. That's kind of uh, my mission here. It's that. And then, and as a connector as well, like connecting and facilitating different things, somebody has a need and I'm like, oh, I got a guy, you know, I know somebody, but for quite a while now, you know, you get to that point, I guess it was very late teens for me, a lot of stuff going on might've had something to do with my dabble into psychedelic experiences at that time in my life. But it definitely uh, changed things for me. Synchronicity started to appear. I didn't know what those were at the time, but looking back, that's exactly what was going on with being handed like, you know, Neil Donald Walsh's conversations with God, you know, and that going through that and just getting into spirituality. A few other experiences down the line and uh, here we are. I've just been questioning these esoteric topics for a really long time. I've I just recently, probably in the last year or so, gotten to the understanding that Everything that's presented to us externally that is being called for your attention is usually an inversion of reality. So what they tell you to do over there uh, is probably not the good idea. Just do the opposite of that and you'll be fine. 
a boundless amount of examples. But yeah, you get to that point, man, it's spirituality, conspiracies into all of it. That's what the show is about. And honestly, man, uh, it feels weird to even put it out. It's just, I do it for me. It's expanding my reality. You know, the fact that it, you know, touches other people or some other people get some great benefit at it, which had some wonderful response, man. The show has just been really well received overall. And it's just been an awesome ride, man. So we just keep expanding our reality just one day at a time. Yeah. And I completely resonate with that last point you made of, you know, affecting people, but not really that being the intention, maybe at the start, you know, my family thinks I'm crazy. The whole reason I named that show that way and this show this way is because it's true to me. And like you just said, as this show goes on and I have great conversations with folks like yourself, I learn more and more and, and the thoughts that were kind of brewing in the background of my mind are able to more easily come to the surface. So you said the synchros appeared, they emerged. Were there any that were more notable than others? Obviously, it might not have been totally clear what was happening, but were they memorable enough to share? Absolutely. Yeah. So definitely being handed a set of, you know, reading materials along with just that point in my life, just had a weird uh, home life, you know, at that time moved out angrily two days after graduation at 18 and just spent six years out on my own. So we, you know, you go through those points in your life and that's when you're questioning everything. And, you know, you're, you're in your, you know, young adulthood, you're questioning everything anyway. You're trying to figure out who you are, where your place in the universe is, what the fuck is going on uh, with everything around you. And that's really when you start exploring uh, these types of ideas, because then, and for me, it was a lot spirituality first and then conspiracy theories, but the conspiracy theories really flipped everything on their head, man. That's when it's the whole system came crashing down for me. And then just recently, I've found a really zen way to embrace uh, new information like that. So, Now, was it a particular system or discipline that you were drawn to first as far as spirituality goes? The first idea was honestly, uh, did it Neil Donald Walsh, uh, conversations with God, that book, uh, because what it gave me was a perspective that, and you know, it wasn't anything I really even considered beyond the upbringing in a Baptist church. I didn't, that did, did not resonate with me after a while. And then this came into my life at a real lost point. I would say that I didn't have a compass and I just kind of was roaming about just, like I said, trying to figure things out. When that book came in my life, though, the significant point to it was what, what it did for me, for my perception was it changed the way that I looked at our relationship to the divine. And what I found in that was, is that in the, in the writing, I don't know if you're familiar with the work, but basically the premise is he's having a conversation with God. That's exactly what it is. But he's, he was frustrated at a really interesting point in his life. He just wrote on a piece of paper one night, you know, why is this happening or whatever? Why am I here? Why shouldn't I kill myself? And then he got an answer. And that answer turned into like a nine book series. And it's fascinating. The wisdom in it's amazing. But what, what was interesting in it was, was the wisdom that was in it. That was, that's what was paradigm shifting. The, the, the thought that we're all one and that we're all connected. And that idea in print came to me in a spiritual form as well as it did whenever, again, I was right at the time experimenting with psychedelics. So I was already feeling that oneness on a different level at that time as well. And so it was just these complete huge shifts that happened pretty much all at once. And it just took me in the direction I am now. And I'm grateful for that fork in the road because it's made all the difference, you know? And then the little synchronicities and shit, just like along the way, you know, the people you meet that you look back now and you're like, damn, if I never would have met that person, I would have met this. And then you, you could track these things back. And now that I pay attention to synchronicities and they're such a huge part of my experience of this now, it's, it's something that's very obvious. And so therefore I can shuffle back in the Rolodex of memories there and apply them to those situations as well. Right. Yeah. That aspect of hindsight. I mean, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Tara reminds me of when I'm thinking maybe too logically and, and not as intuitively. I think that's, you know, something that's important when you're understanding this new awareness is to be able to process things in hindsight and maybe find that extra layer of meaning that was always there that you didn't perceive right away. And, and that's what it comes down to is intuition first, logic second. That's really, I mean, Michael Wan and I were talking on the phone earlier and that's something he said, Tara and I resonate with it, but sounds like you do too. And, and I think that's a big part of understanding our reality is having the awareness and the ability to 
sit back and let things sort of come to the surface and, and at their own pace, instead of like anxiously trying to find the answer that you might need at that moment, it sometimes is better to just let it go and f- wait for the, the meaning to come to you. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you find this also, whenever you do start to realize these things around you, you know, everything around you is the product of your decisions and your whatever. And so when you're a young adult, they they were the product of usually your decisions guided by the restrictions of your home. And so now you're out on your own, you're doing your own thing. And so now you have a new perception and a new awareness. And with that, you, you tend to get, you tend to do it wrong. You know, like, especially when you start looking at manifestation and stuff like that, you, you tend to really screw it up and you find out, you know, kind of like Edison, right? They say he didn't fail a thousand times. He found a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. You basically do that. You, you play that game with it and you kind of screw it up. And, but I, I think that yields the best results as well, man. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm wondering, you mentioned conversations with God. How much does prayer play into your daily routine or your life? Because I know whether it's praying to the God of the Christian Bible or really praying to any deity, personally, I found more value in Native American spirituality. And I always sort of prayed to just a great, you know, all encompassing creator. And I've found that it's added tremendous value to my life. Would you say the same? I, I would. And in the way that, and, and really just most, most recently, probably the last few years or so, but you know, we live out here on property and land. And so we've got different variety of species and we're, we're really in harmony with things like this. So we, we really get a close glimpse at what nature has to offer. And it's, it's pretty interesting, you know, both sides of it or whatever, but you, you feel more connected in that way. And yeah, man, I mean, it's just, that's, the, the way that we interact out here is like, I'll walk by and I thank individual plants for hanging out. You know, I'm like, dude, tree, thanks for being so badass. I thank the ground for being underneath me. I feel very, very connected to the land, to the earth, to the cycles of nature. I know out here that there's a two week period in late April. If you're planning a road trip, come out here then. And here's why. The people out here uh, that lived out here before us, we live on 12 acres. It's amazing. And this small ass population, 400 people town in, in North Texas. Okay called Millsap, Texas, represent. And there's a row of bushes on the north side of the property, okay? The north is very important because that's the way the house faces and it's a good acre off the street, but it blocks all the wind from the north. Now, what it does in the two last two weeks in April every year, and this is, again, a cycle that I've picked up on. It's a pattern. This wasn't in the instruction manual they left with the property, right? And so what happens is, is they bloom these white flowers, dude. And it's the most incredibly beautiful, fragrant thing. And there, I would say 50 of these, and they're huge bushes. They get like 15, 20 feet tall, but they bloom these white, I mean, thousands of white flowers all over. The smell is incredible. It also then attracts thousands, and I'm dead serious, thousands of freaking butterflies, dude. And it is like one of the most magical things on the planet. And you go out there underneath them, the wind hits them just right. This is what you smell when you open your you know, front door in the morning. This is what you smell when you open your car door when you get home. And to be greeted by this nature, this aspect of this place that we all live, but not all of us get to enjoy is one of the biggest things that I'm so grateful for, man, because it's, I do get to get more connected. So yeah, it's what you said about talking to spirits and stuff. I'm, I I live that everywhere. It's all around me all the time. Yeah. And just expressing gratitude, I think is the most fundamental part of it. I'm so glad you reminded me of that because that is, that is all you really need to say. I think a lot of people might get a little too much in their head or maybe feel overwhelmed. Like, oh, I'm going to go do this big ritual, but it's as simple as expressing gratitude for the natural world. And something like a fragrance is so subtle and has that effect on your subconscious. It really does alter your reality. It does. And associated with that smell, which is already hundred percent on its own would be magical as hell, but it's associated now. And especially in my mind with the butterflies that fly in and all the bees that come in and sitting underneath it and just enjoying this incredible spectacle. That's a gift for me that I am incredibly grateful for. Uh, and we could definitely dive into gratitude if you want. I think it's one of the most important things on the planet. And again, very underutilized. I mean, we could talk about whatever you want, man. This just reminds me of so sitting out and watching the birds come and eat eat their seeds and the butterflies and the squirrels and the rabbits 
you know, we got two rabbits and the skunk the other night. We, we have a very similar kind of atmosphere. The landscape itself has so much to offer as far as magic. But if you're not in the right mindset, if you don't tune yourself into it, you might not be able to understand it or even perceive it at all. Because I think so many people take these natural spaces around us for granted and then they don't experience it. They, you know, they litter and they drive their car fast and they, you know, just do all these things that are anachronistic to nature. They don't realize that they're subtly expressing disgratitude for the place that they're in. Yeah, completely. And I think that there's levels of experience with nature. So let's take, for example, what you said about somebody walking by and and littering or something like that. Now on a subconscious level, a a level they're not even really cognizant of, they're affected by the green spaces, the oxygen around them, perhaps a water feature, which uh, babbling brook, these things will hit on a very, very, very subconscious level. They are calming, they are effective, even though not evident. But then you've got people who can just appreciate nature for what it is. You know, notice a little squirrel running around and that's awesome be grateful that you've got a space like that in wherever you live that you can enjoy. Be grateful that you're not one of those assholes that litters, right? I say that at the end of every one of my shows, I give a little PSA and that's part of it, to pick up a piece of litter. Anyway, so, but then there are people who can take it to different levels as far as being incredibly knowledgeable about what the land actually has to offer, even in a little space like that, like a little weed that pops up. Somebody's like, oh, you can make something dope out of that. And so there's different levels of experience for all things having to do with nature and with anything really pure that you come across in this reality. I feel that that's true. You've got varying levels of experience that can be experienced with the exact same thing, different effects, same exact object on a lot of different people. Yeah, I I think that's, you know, a key factor to what we've been experiencing is mindset. You know, when we go out, on our journeys, you know, lately finding a new place to live, figuring out what we're going to do. That's been adding to maybe the levels of distraction or frustration, stress that take us out of that mindset that, you know, we enjoyed so much going on these journeys that have an element of randomness to them. And, and then the awe of just going someplace new is, you know, in a sense, gratitude, right? So that I think facilitated so much. Like when we talk about animals, you know, the, the omens that we've received have just been really profound. And it's because we're intending to see them in a way. And like when we set off about almost 70 days ago from now, we, we were on our way up to New Hampshire from Connecticut. It's like a three hour drive, four hour drive. And we're driving along the road. And we say, you know, let's set an intention. We just listened to Michael Sandler and his conversation with Greg Carlwood, and he's got some amazing stuff to learn about. I mean, just the automatic writing and all the implications there. So with that in mind, we're like, okay, let's set an intention to see an animal omen. And we see a porcupine crossing the road. And we're on our way to an event called Porcupine Fest. So that is badass, dude. I don't know how, you know, frequently you see porcupines (laughs) in Texas, but you don't see them very frequently up here. So it was like a welcome, but rare sight. I don't think I've ever seen one out in the wild. I mean, I've seen a lot of wildlife, but not not a porcupine, man. That was definitely an omen or like a skinwalker or something that shifted into a, because he knew that you needed to see that at that time to carry on. It's still a dope story either way. That's amazing. Now, let me hit you with the second part. So bring that shit. So we're like, wow. Okay. Porcupine on our way to porcupine fest. This is amazing. So we set our intention to see a moose because the whole way through this part of New Hampshire, it's big signs on the side of the road that say moose, you know, or watch out for moose or a silhouette of a moose to warn you because these things, they stand in the road and they don't, they're stubborn. Sometimes they don't want to move, especially the bull moose is they're very large so it's a danger but we you know little risk takers were like all right let's set an intention for for a moose and not only did we see it within 10 minutes but we saw two moose standing on the side of the road ready to cross the road and it was like wow you know like we set our intention and it must have been you know the energy mindset spiritual place that we're in allowed for it to happen so quickly But I, you know, I'm wondering if you have any similar experiences or if you, you know, 
I mean, what can you add to that? Because I, I think, you know, just that itself is so powerful when you experience, it really creates a new world. No, it, it definitely does. And you can be very intentional with the things that you want to see and even superficial. So that would be like considered something like superficial. It's kind of easy, but it's tangible. You, you kind of need that every now and then. It, it does show that you are dialed in and that you're on the right wavelength. You probably, and I don't know if you noticed it in that journey or in that time that you were in, that you probably had a lot of sequential numbers popping up and you had a, probably a song you hadn't heard in a really long time come on and remind you of something or something like that. There were probably ancillary phenomena associated with your experience of that. And you definitely were dialed into the feeling of it. Or, I mean, the other option here every time is, or you just saw a goddamn porcupine. Now, I tend to lean to the first one. I, I tend to think that that's more fun. It's it's more accurate. It resonates with me a little bit more. It's what I, what I think happens. So as far as... <coughs> Experiences like that that I've had, I've been lately playing with a few things. This is, again, pretty, this part of this is pretty new to me. Looking back, I mean, there's there's been amazing ways that like I've found animals and stuff like that. Like an animal will find me. One of the dogs that we have, that I'll, I'll say that that's definitely one of them then. Okay, one of the dogs that we had one morning uh, about nine years ago, I was on my way to work driving in early balls and it was fucking pouring rain. I mean, bad. I was low on gas, so I was like, well, I'm early anyway, significantly early for some damn reason. I'm never like that, but it just happened that morning, like 30 minutes. It was like five in the morning. Pull in to get gas at Doc's food store, okay? There's a few people out there, and they're running around trying to catch this little dog. And I was like, okay, whatever. And so I just start filling up my gas tank or whatever. I sit back down, door open, and I look down, and this dog is sitting right there, that one, running around. And I was just like, huh, okay. And he looked like a little baby uh, Rottweiler or something. He had those markings, but he's real skinny, real small. He's soaking wet. I mean, it's going tits up. And so I go in, pay for the gas. And I said, Hey dude, uh, there's a dog running around out here. And the guy was like, yeah, man, somebody just dropped it off and took off. I was like, really in this weather, you know, and did that. And he was like, yeah, we've been trying to catch him, but he won't let anybody catch him. We've been trying to give him food and water. He doesn't want it at all. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I hope he's okay or whatever. I looked around. I couldn't see him at all. I was like, okay, you know, I hope little buddy's all right. I go back, close everything up right before I shut my door. I looked down and this dog jumped up and put his little paw, little wet ass paws on me. And I was like, okay, I guess here we go. And I just scooped him up and curled him up in my lap. I had a shirt, you know, soaking wet. Sorry. Curled him up, ran him back to the house. My wife's, wasn't my wife at the time, but she was sleeping. I put him in the backyard, all covered food, water, you know, little blankets and all that shit. And then I shagged ass to work. By the time she woke up, she called me. And she was like, what are you doing? You know, whatever. I said, hey, don't let the other dogs outside yet. Go out back, but just stay on the phone with me. So she opens the door and then I hear her go, oh, and I just paused for a minute. I was like, do you see him? And she was like, oh my God, what is this? But this little dog has been the most incredible little buddy. I mean, he came out of nowhere. We named him Doc, of course, because of Doc's food store, right? But we, we find animals like this all the time. So as far as the opportunities to help life in that way we always leave ourselves open for my wife and i don't have kids we've got a 12 acre piece of property out here we have donkeys goats you know horses all that stuff our little mini horse was a rescue we got him from a kill shelter they he was named 437 b and uh so we named him Littlefoot instead and got him out here he had some foot problems that we paid to get fixed and he runs around and he's awesome we had uh, some donkeys that have come to us that have been on land that's like 50 by 50 foot pen with no grass. We had a donkey come out here that was 20 years old that had never seen grass before in her entire life. And so she comes out here and dude, it's gorgeous out here. I keep it mowed like a golf course. It's fucking huge pond, you know, and it's grass everywhere. That's all it is. And she just stood at the end of the trailer and stared down at the ground and just didn't step off. Like she didn't know what she was, like the floor's lava kind of thing. You know, she didn't know what the fuck it was. So it's those opportunities that I find that we can be helpful with and we'll rehome to the right places and you know and and our rehome experience of these you know entities these beings on this planet that need our help it has been people who like call and they're like what's the, what's the little goat's name and i'm like henry but you can call him whatever you want you know you, you're rescuing him so he's your goat now and they'll come over here and in the six hour time it took them from when we agreed to meet and then met to pick up this animal that they're rescuing they had his name monogrammed on a collar for a goat and it's like, these are the kind of people that you draw in when you, when you send this energy out. Like, this is the kind of shit that happens. All these amazing, wonderful things, these opportunities to be who you really are, which that's all any moment in this life is, right? 
Wow. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I had no idea any of that was going on over there, Brandon. That, I mean, sounds to me like you need a food forest in your yard as well. We got to get you in touch with Jim Gale. Yeah, you're the second person that's told me that. We actually have a really great setup out here. I've got a massive garden that I built, like with arboretums and shit. It's it's really cool. Yeah, we've we've got that going on. Yeah. Yeah. What do you have growing so far? I've got peppers. We've got three different kinds of cucumber, cilantro, herb, a ton of herbs, stuff like that. But a lot of peppers and herbs. And then we have eggplant this time, and we'll do a corn closer to the fall. Now, in this realm of intention and growing your food yourself. Have you noticed since doing that? I don't know if this is something you've done your whole life, but for me, you know, I'm in a suburb. I've lived in in between, you know, in Connecticut, we're in between New York City and Boston. So mm. it's mm. pretty much, you know, there's rural areas, but it, it's very much, you know, a cityscape feeling. So I've, you know, eaten from grocery stores most of my life until I started working at a farmer's market and I started getting, you know, different farm to table type meals that really were one step towards living a healthier life. But I wonder, you know, how much growing your own food has made a difference in your overall health and on that spiritual level of health. Yeah, we don't, we, we grow some of our food, but we still go to the store and all that stuff because we just do it as more of an experiment. We're trying to figure it out, you know, we're learning, but it's not enough to sustain us. You know, we still have to like go to the store and shit. But we, I, I love it though, that now it's significantly different. Like the herbs are completely different. The peppers are incredible. I've learned stuff like if you want hot peppers, you have to basically torture them. So you don't water them as often. And when they get stressed, the peppers actually get significantly hotter before you pick them. So it's little things like that. And we do stuff like that and pickle and all of that. But as far, like I said, as far as sustaining us indefinitely, not now, but eventually, hell yeah. Yeah. That'd be wonderful. We've got the land for it. That's the thing. Right. So food, water, have you put any thought towards like catching your own rain? I know that's illegal in some states, but what are your thoughts on on that? Have you looked into that at all? Um, my thoughts are I live in Millsap, Texas, and it's population 400 and nobody would say shit. Uh, we could do anything we want. I could, with you right now on this microphone, walk right over there and shoot a gun. No problem at all. Uh, it, we, we hear gunshots out here all the time because we live in the country. It's just right. how it happens. So it, we're very free out here now. As to your point about catching water, yeah, yeah, that's a huge plan out here. I've, I've built a pretty significant barn out here, and so it's got a lot of surface area for roof. So the plan is to run a gutter off that and have a cistern at the back of it and just pump it up. So yeah, no, we, we're working on that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, I... I definitely feel like, you know, here in Connecticut, we are in kind of like a green oasis. You know, we're very close to the shore. We have a lot of green and, and we get this sort of updraft of the Gulf Stream that makes it more, you know, climate. Eh, it's warmer than it would be. So, but I'm wondering like in Texas, what are the seasons like? And and is that something that's factored in with having animals? And because you're, you're, up there in the northern part is Texas, though. It can't be that hot. It's still very hot. It's, you know, it's still Texas, right? No, so we're like Dallas-Fort Worth, and we're just west of Fort Worth. So we're still in the Metroplex, where Dallas is like two hours away from us. So as, as far as the seasons go, in Texas in particular, we really just have two and a half. So what you get is, is you get summer, and that's insane, in, insane and intense and crazy a lot of the times. Then you have a couple of weeks, like a quarter fall, and then it goes straight to winter. And then it's winter for a really long time. And then you go straight to spring for about two or three weeks and then boom, right back into summer. And that's usually how it works. So the best parts of the seasons, they're very, very, very short. And the most intense parts of the seasons are very, very long. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how that plays into the overall spiritual culture of the land. I mean, something that it makes you tough. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think like, you know, weather manipulation has been on our minds recently. There was a, an episode of Tim Funnel Hat that just came out with Jim Lee talking all yeah, about great that. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you listened to it. Yeah. And one thing that he mentioned at the end that stuck with me was like, don't talk about climate change unless you know who the climate changers are, but to bring it even further back on a metaphysical level, I, I don't know if you listened to Dan Winter's interview on Greg Carlwood's podcast. I've not, but I will. Yeah, okay. it was really interesting. And he brought up this idea that 
shamans are steering tornadoes with the right amount of intention. And I'm like, wow, we can change the weather with our minds quite literally. I, I think we probably always have. It's just with the model that we have now, which is very, very intentional, it it domesticates us, as Don Miguel Ruiz says. You, you've been, all that shit's been beaten out of you by society and by, you know, sit down, shut up, follow these rules, don't do it like that. Even, even when you finally break out of that, the conditioning is still there. You know, there's still a foundation of this that has stripped you of, of a lot of your aware, uh, definitely your awareness of your, how magical and powerful you really are. This is why you hear stories of kids going, why can't I fly? You know, I, I just could fly a minute ago. And, you know, you'll, you'll hear these tales of the, these kids uh, doing past life memory stuff where they'll go find a body under a tree, two towns over they've never been to and tell you exactly how it got there and that that was them. It's, it's these types of things that are, are very significant. And I can't wait for science to recognize this shit as a science. I think we're, we're getting a lot closer, but I mean, th- this is the way of things. And, and that's just how it works, man. It's, it's wild. Yeah. I, and I wonder, you know, we talk about playing around with these things, but how much of it, you know, we can actually turn into a sort of practice and then begin to implement them. And instead of just it being kids who are still, you know, sort of not totally strangled by the tentacles of society, you know, how do we bring that back? I mean, play and fun, being silly. I feel like these are ways that most people, you know, kind of are like, oh, I'm an adult. I'm too serious. I can't, you know, I only have fun when I like watch something on TV or a movie that's funny or maybe like jokes in conversation. But like the idea of being silly or playful, you know, I think is a part of, of what makes kids so connected to that other side of things. And then you know, we can get into imagination and how much it feels like people are devoid of imagination for the most part. I mean, particularly the folks that are, you know, going along with the, you know, mandates and all these other fascist impositions on our freedoms. But, you know, what are your thoughts on, on that dynamic of being playful in, in spite of how serious the world is? I think it's crucial. I think it's the key. I think that's the missing link. That's that's what everybody needs because there there goes with it a vibration. I mean, and that's all the shit is. You're just vibrating. And so whenever you raise your vibration, I mean, this is when new things start to appear in your life. You'll you'll find some dissonance and then and then resonate. Everything then around you will resonate at that at, at that as well because the like attracts like. So with as far as you being able to transcend those types of things and break out of that, I do think that that's absolutely entirely possible. I mean, don't, don't, do you guys feel that as well? A hundred percent. What, what's your idea on this? Well, that it's, it just comes down to practice and like understanding those stories from the past that were programmed that are holding you back from like using your imagination to generate good feelings and visions of how you want your reality to be. Absolutely. And the imagination is usually one of the first things to go in the domestication process because it has to, because that's where your power resides. That's where the, exactly. And this is where you, when you talk about intent and you talk about like Lynn, Dr. Lynn McTaggart's work with the intention studies, the power of eight that she's done. Uh, healing things in this way, of course, shaman can do that. And another thing, and you know, and I was talking to my wife about this. I'm, I'm really toying with this idea that everything out there only exists and has power because you bring it into you. So, let's say, for instance, you watch something horrible on the news, right? If you happen to still watch the news and you watch something horrible on it, then it sticks with you, right? You take on that pain, or you take on the pain that that image is supposed to make you feel, which contributes energy to a system. Now, rather that system is directly etheric, like a loose type of a concept, or if it's a mindset, if it's a mentality, if it's an alteration to baseline and happiness and joy, then yeah, it's it's going to be intentional in this way, but it's it's an attack on your imagination every time because you are way more powerful than you know. And playing with these manifestation techniques and stuff, that's where I've really discovered this. And then that's, of course, when you start looking around, you put those glasses on like and they live. And you look around at everything and you're like, oh, it's, it's all horseshit. Okay, got it. And then that's how you break out of it. But I think this childlike wonder idea, again, goes back to a vibration. And I think that vibration is what will change everything. Right. 
And, you know, you mentioned manifestation techniques, obviously vibration, the awareness of vibration and the frequency of thought and energy of emotion. Those are all foundational. But once you get to that level of awareness that I think we're all at, and most people who find this type of podcast are probably there as well, I would assume. You know, what sort of manifestation techniques have you used with some success? There's been a few, uh, most of them, not really mine, you know, a few, and, and this is the way this works, right? You get something popped up in your reality and we can go down the deep path of that you sent it to you anyway. So it's all really just you. But when, whenever you start uh, looking at these type of manifestation things, you want things that are fun, practical, and realistic in the sense that you will actually do them. Right. So one, one of them that I found that I thought was so cool and I've done this and, it, and it's crazy and I'm sure you've heard of it, but the shower thing, have you guys heard of this? Treating your shower like a portal? No. Oh, okay. Check this out. So I, what you do is, is that you get your water going in your shower, whatever you get in your shower, you close the curtain before you, you do that. You look out to that room, wherever you are, before you shut the door, or close the curtain to get in the shower say goodbye and you're leaving the reality that you were in okay you close that off now you are just in this space now it's a portal the water is washing off the old things that you didn't like about the reality you were in what you did like about it of course stays that's a good way of how this works and then it washes all the the bullshit off then before you turn the water off you set your affirmations whatever they may be you know i'm asserting the mastery of my true self whatever you want to say and then you set an intention and then you greet your new world and you do step out into different realities where your ex is whatever, you know, where, where your goals are closer to being achieved, where this is no longer a problem for you, where you no longer struggle with this and you will step into these realities and you can do this anytime you want. And it's so much fun and it's badass. That, I mean, you bring to mind a couple things that I've thought of in the shower that have then been manifested, but I never realized that that's how it was going down. I mean, maybe, yeah. And then that's really what I've always thought about is it's, it's the water and even maybe like something like a waterfall, you know, visiting a waterfall or spending some time in a waterfall, like Tara and I did on one of our first dates. It's like, yeah, that's extremely energetic, you know? Absolutely. It's definitely a facilitating, uh, a place to facilitate high vibration. And that's what we've been looking for on our journey, you know, and mapping it out. Like we are particularly interested in this river mystery, you know, and the Susquehanna. Yeah. Particularly yeah. inspired by him, but also, you know, what mysteries the Connecticut river has to offer, you know, being in Connecticut, my whole life in a town that, you know, is on one side of the Housatonic river, which is another really large river that goes from, I think, Pittsfield, Massachusetts, down to Milford, Connecticut. And, you know, all along that river, there's coincidences that connect to my life. You know, my uncle's grocery store is in a town that goes on that river. And, you know, they're in a town that's called New Milford. I'm from Milford, you know, and then all the way up in Pittsfield, I have a cousin that recently moved up there. So just little pieces like that, which, you know, might not mean much if they were in some book somewhere, you know, are particularly important to my story and going into this journey with that in mind that like, okay, there are things in my life that are pointing me in this direction. Where does that connect to the overall story, the larger story, you know, and, and Tara and I, we've had a lot of fun, you know, just going on journeys and finding places. And one of the things that keeps coming up is animal omens along the way. Like when we were on the phone with, again, Michael Wan, the Susquehanna mystic, who's getting a lot of airtime on this show. We talk about him all the time. I love him. He, he's great. And, you know, he, um, you know, we were on the phone and a hawk just like flat was like in the road, you know, we're driving. And at first I thought it was a fox because the way it was positioned, it was eating a possum, you know, mm -hmm. so we're driving and I drive right up next to it and it just comes and looks right at me in the eye, you know, takes one last bite of the possum and then flies away. But I mean, little like moments like that, that are so unique and different and like the hawk to us is so important. We see it all the time. And it's usually in a moment where we're talking about something that's relevant to the journey. And like I said, you know, things have been a little more stressed lately, but you know, that's a part of it is getting back into that playful, fun mindset is where those omens 
keep coming up. I mean, just a few nights ago, we were sitting uh, at the banks of Oyster River, where the Oyster River meets the Long Island Sound. And two foxes just came right out of the tall grass, walked right up to us at like within a foot of us. I mean, it was incredible. And, you know, that's relevant to the medicine wheel that is kind of the compass on our map that we're creating. But, you know, long story short, the river itself is a sort of magnet for life. Things congregate at the river. Life forms around water and, and rivers are a main feature. Like you were discussing, you know, before at the beginning, you know, water being a main feature in some of these landscapes that are energetic. I wonder, have you experienced that yourself? Or have you always been from Texas? Is there a river, you know, near your hometown? Have you looked into this? So whenever, yes, I'm, I'm from born and raised in Texas. I've, you know, traveled and shit, but always lived here. And then, yeah, there's the Brazos River, which is a very famous river in Texas. It's just right down one minute away from my house, like a few minutes. And there's a lot of history on that thing. There was a book, damn it, I can't remember this. Anyway, there's a book called uh, something like The Last River, something like that. Anyway, it it details the magic of that river and the history of it. And yeah, there's a very, people go out here and find arrowheads all the time. There's a lot of history going up and down just this stretch of the body of water. But yeah, and so with, whenever you talk about like how important water is, especially to like manifestation to anything, it's very conductive. There's a lot of like cell memory that can be stored in water. Like the Japan studies, did you ever see those where they took two glasses of water? They told one they were a piece of shit, the other one that they were good. And then well, the molecules changed, right? Yeah, and, and they Exactly, Masumoto, thank you. And they, you know, say we're a shitload of water. So of course, what does that do to us when we, you know, watch the news all the time or be scared all the time or look at these things that are, entirely toxic and non-beneficial for us in any way, least of all spiritually. I, and then whenever you tie in the idea that water is found underneath megaliths and that the, underneath the pyramids, you know, and this is one of the reasons why they, they think that they could have been power plants potentially because of the uh, conductive nature of the rock and they can do this something called piezoelectricity with the water underneath. And then they find a shitload of aqu- that all of these megaliths or a lot of them are built over aquifers like intentionally, like they dousing rod found out where these were and built these sacred places there. And these, this wasn't for nothing. And so with these ideas though, you know, like in the shower thing, you're, you're setting your intention into that water. That water is then going back into the earth and the, the universe is manifesting these things, washing away the bullshit, recycling it for you, and then only moving you into the direction that you choose to go to. And that's the best part about this. You set the next reality that you go into. Do it as many times as you like. It's a blast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's adding so much more to it for me because the shower point, I mean, it's a shame, you know, with the, the water, the quality in some places, I feel like, you know, maybe we're a little better off here in Connecticut, supposedly some of the best water in the, the country, not trying to brag or anything, but yeah, that's, that's a hard luck, bro. That's why we get. That's why we get the best pizza as well, you know, cause it's in the dough, but either way, you know, it's all about, you know, it's all about water, man. Water is life. And that's why I brought up the question about where you are in Texas in the seasons, because I know, you know, it could be pretty dry in some parts of the country. And like, we were just talking to Tony Merkel, who is making a change like a lot of people to move out of a city. Sounds like you're pretty set up. You're out there. You got your land you got your food growing and water on lock so you're fine but i'm like you know thinking you know to people who are maybe in a position like us where we're like you know renting and like still don't own property ourselves you know what the best move is coming into this new techno transhumanists landscape where they're trying to push people more and more into cities you know like what, what are your thoughts on, on the future and what that holds with this synchro mystic spiritual mindset? The, there's a very long answer to this, which I tend to get diarrhea of the mouth. So I'll probably give you that one, but it, it basically, if reality is controlled by you and there are these things external, I've really been messing with this idea lately. And this is why I bring this up first. Uh, then none of that shit could happen like at all. It could just be, again, something you're seeing on a screen. Cause let me ask you this. How affected by COVID do you think the people of Sentinel Island are? How big of a shit do you think they gave a shit about the politics? And do you think that they're 
all stressed out over what the Kardashian wore to that last. No, they don't give a shit. And they're living great lives. I mean, they'll stab you if you come on their place, but they're living great lives. They're non-negatively affected by the shit. And so that's the choice that you've got all the time. And I think that this is just a huge system. You know, it's not an us versus them. It's the shitty lizard fucking overlords versus whoever doesn't want to be that. And it's, it's always an option to take that on or to just not. I, I've been saying it for a while now, and I talked to Sam about this on Zero, about 10 the garden you got. I mean, that because that's all you can do. So worrying about what's going on over there, we know it's bullshit. We know it's theater. We know it's politics. And revisiting that with doesn't help anything, least of all you. There are wonderful resources out there for people who are falling on that sword and taking on that energy and telling us all about these things and how important they are. And they're absolutely right. And when I need them, they're there. And I dip my toe back in that water for as long as it doesn't fuck with me. And then I'm back out. And it, but like I said, the tend the garden you got thing, that's what you have control over is what's in your immediate space, your mind, your emotions, what you look at, what you read, what you do with the property that you've got, what you do with the time that you have, with your attention, which is your most valuable commodity. So uh, paying attention to those things is what I feel most drawn to do. And especially lately, man, because I was the Paul Revere type. I was the one running around, fucking, they're going to kill you all. The goddamn FEMA camps, you know, and <clears throat> I, yeah, I'm been there and that fucking plane they show is an inflatable, by the way. Everybody knows that. Nobody's fucking around with this still, right? Have you seen that? No, which one? I don't know how far you want to go with this shit, but just the recent thing that happened over in Afghanistan last week or whatever, the airplane that everybody was jumping on and sitting on. Did you see it? No. Okay. I'll send you a picture of it here. But it's fake. It's very fake. And I'll send you a picture showing why. Now, the other part to this and something that your listeners can research because don't fucking listen to me. Go go look this shit up on your own. But it's uh, there. It's an obvious fake. And the other part about this is, is the there was an operation. I forget the damn name of it. Operation starts with an F. Operation something in World War II that Patton was a part of, actually. And they did this. They inflated tanks, balloons, artillery. Yeah, I remember and they created this whole like fake beach scene to make the Germans think they're in one area. And then they invaded another area using all these inflatable tanks and planes and whatnot. So they do have this technology and I'm sure it's much more sci-fi looking now. I mean, you can only imagine with the Hollywood crowd, you know, in cahoots with the military, how good their, you know, special effects are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and you could take that a few ways, right? But this damn thing is not a real plane. Now they may have shown a real plane, a real one C-130, but what the, I sent you the picture, what that is, the top one is a real plane. The bottom one is what they showed you on the news telling you that that's a real plane. This is what's so interesting about this. It's bullshit. It's fuckery, but we know it's fuckery. So most of us do, but the people that are driving the decisions that other people make, you know, the masses, the sheeple, as we love to call them because it's accurate. That's the shit that those are the people that believe, you know, the official stuff. That's the problem, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely looks like it's just kind of moving along, being dragged by light. Being dragged. You could tell the windows are a very important one. They don't reflect anything. You can't see anything in the cockpit. They're obviously painted on. You can also see by the sheen that it's one continuous flow. There's no uh, release valves or sensors on the side. And all those people underneath it are carrying the damn thing. They're not running it. It's a military plane. They wouldn't move it uh, with a bunch of people around. Anyway, but that kind of fuckery can throw you off and it'll piss you off. Something on uh, Higher Side Chats, actually, that I heard was Gordon White. One of the most amazing things that he said in that interview that really stuck with me, because Gordon White's fantastic, of course, Greg Carwood as well, was that your response to the crisis is part of the crisis. So what that means is, is that how you lose your shit and how you run around and freak out, contributing negative energy to the system, creating dissonance, creating divide, because nobody wants to talk to you, no matter how fucking right you are, if you're running around yelling at them that they're all going to die and that they're wrong and all that shit, nobody wants to hear that shit, man. But it, it creates a divide. So whenever you do that, you are feeding into that system. That's your reaction to the crisis. Part of it. They, they plan for Wahoos to do that. The best advice I could give anybody with any any fucking thing like this, I, even if we are marching towards totalitarianism, we're not there yet. And do what you can to scape that off in whatever way you can. Of course, passively. Don't wear your goddamn mask if you don't fucking want to. Don't get this fucking thing if you don't fucking want to. Uh, that's the way that you fight back. You don't participate in it. Uh, and especially if you see somebody else being harmed, of course, stand up all these great things. Just adult shit, you know, normal human stuff. 
don't take on the negative energy of this because then that's what you identify with, you know, and it'll make you bitter, man. It'll rob you of the joy of now, which that's all you fucking got. I want to close on this point here. Think about it this way. If you are an infinite being and you could do this an infinite fucking number of ways, okay? Think of it this. The, the one you're experiencing now has been experienced an infinite number of times as well. But you are here now, which means that you, as an infinite fucking being, you could be anywhere else. As Jay-Z said, thanks for coming. You could be anywhere else in the world tonight. You could be any fucking where else, but you're here, which tells me that this is your favorite one. Think about that. So the life that you're living right now, this is your favorite one out of all the infinite possibilities and infinite things that you could be doing. This is where your consciousness is. So that means everything you're experiencing right now works out. Everything that's ever happened is there for a reason because this is your favorite fucking one, man. It doesn't want to be fucking Jay-Z. You're here now. Now, Jay-Z, if you listen to this, yeah, that is what you wanted to do. But what I'm saying is, is that any, and anybody hearing this, no matter where you are, Think of your life that way. You're an infinite being having this experience and you chose to be in this one, which could only tell you that it's your favorite one. This is the one that's the most magic. Love that so much. I, that's, that's exactly where we want to be with the synchromystic exploration of the ever expanding now. And I don't see a better place to. <laughs> yeah. That's, nice. that's what I'm talking about. We are here, brother. We have arrived. Yes. Yes. So with that, I mean, folks, please go check out the Expanding Reality Podcast. You can go to expandingrealitypodcast.com. Brandon Thomas, where else can they go to find you and follow up on all the great work you do? Well, thank you for saying that. And thanks again for having me, guys. This was incredible. Really, I do. You guys can, yeah, like you said, expandingrealitypodcast.com. I can be contacted through there. There's links to all the socials and shit on there. Uh, There's a whole YouTube version of this, which is great. So you can go watch the videos and stuff. Has some incredible interviews, man. I cannot wait to add you as well, Mark. But uh, yeah, that's where y'all can find me. I'm not hard to find. So reach out. I love the audience. You guys are, I have the best. I call my soul tribe and they're, they're amazing. Uh, they're absolutely incredible. Right on. Yeah. I think the, we, we call them heroes is our heroes. Anybody who signs up the Patreon is our hero. That's cool. (laughs) I love it. But with that folks, thank you for tuning in wherever you are in the now. And remember what Brandon said, I'm going to put that, what you said, can you say what you say at the end of your podcast right now? Cause I usually say, have a great moment wherever you are in the now, but we can add your sign off as well. I love it. I'm grateful for the opportunity. So here we go. All right, go out into your week this week, guys, pick up a piece of litter. Be nice to everybody that you come across every animal, every person that you see smile, hold doors open. Buy a coffee or a meal of somebody in line or behind you. Just bottle of water. Anything helps. Get out of the left-hand lane, of course, and above and beyond. Y'all just go out into this beautiful place and just be good to one another. Thank you so much. All right.